all, and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and we're very excited today because we can finally tell you all that we are launching our Dame It All to Hell rebrand. The podcast is stronger and fiercer than ever, as are Tracy and I, if you can't tell from last week's episode. And we thought it was time to step up the game for the podcast, so we're pretty pumped. And I'm Tracy Dietz, and we are definitely excited because you're going to see our new art today. (laughs) The photography was graciously provided by Anna Isabel Martinez Chamorro. And the design by our awesome friend and super talented creative mind, Sarah McCreary. We also have a video product, which we sort of teased on our social a little while ago. Um, And that'll be out and it's filmed by good friends of the podcast, Born Lucky Studios, and edited by yours truly. She's the best editor. (laughs) Only the best editors. It's it's pretty (laughs) funny to edit this like you and me because they're supposed to be short-ish and um I was like it was a hard it was like it's like picking your favorite baby like getting rid of stuff you know I was like oh so funny that's awesome I hope you made me sound really good uh we're committed to keeping this podcast fresh we want with awesome content but we also want to be fun on social media so go check us out share the site with your friends send them the show we can only do this with your support so if you like what we're doing please give us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts or Spotify Awesome. Okay. So before we get into um, some of our larger conversations today, we're going to take a second, like the rest of everybody in the world that comments on things happening in the news and talk about, in from my perspective, talk about how fucking fierce our Speaker of the House is, Madam Speaker, and like just what an amazing, there was all, as everyone knows, there was all this drama about Pelosi before she got reelected as the Speaker. Everybody wanted new fresh blood and they were like, she's already done it. Let's pass the gavel to somebody else. And then she fucking stared down the President of the United States and managed to reopen the government without sort of committing funds to um, a piece of immigration security that not everyone agreed we, we needed. Absolutely. I I actually agree with just about everything you said. I mean, I obviously don't love Nancy Pelosi as much as you do. Yeah, no, she's very Uh, But (laughs) so watching the whole shutdown thing happen was I I don't want to say that it was entertaining because I because 800,000 federal employees didn't get paid. paid. They are all going to get back pay. Not the contracted employees. Yeah, which is like 1.2 million contracted employees, small business owners that have contracts with the federal government that weren't needed, like people that provide food in the Social Security building in downtown Montgomery, Alabama. So those people all sort of had to get second jobs. It was that sucks. It's horrible. Uh, But watching uh, Pelosi and Trump go at it was entertaining. I mean, epic foes. She was like, listen, maybe we should move the State of the Union. And he's like, fuck you. You don't get to travel if I don't get to have my State of the Union. And then there were some other leaks about her commercial travel. And then she's like, fuck you. I am done. You don't get to come to my house. (laughs) Which was entertaining to watch and good for her. I mean, it it is shocking to me that Republicans had control of Congress and Senate for two years. This was important to the Republicans to build the wall. They didn't pass it. And they didn't pass it. Yeah. I don't even know that they even tried to pass it. It wasn't a thing until this very moment. And uh, I think it was a bad political play for Republicans to try to pull this at this time. And she definitely won and, and, and you know, 
good for her. I, I think this changes Republicans moving forward, though, because you've seen a lot of in the media the last few weeks or the, the last couple of days about Republicans will not stand with Trump on another shutdown and they they will block if he tries to shut down the government. Yeah, again. I mean, there, there were all, I think there's all these elements to it, right? The first being that I believe our president has an inflated sense of power and sense of self. And certainly when it comes to negotiations, you know, they wrote a book about it. And I think that Nancy Pelosi realized that all those things you just said, that he had the executive branch, they have control of the Senate, they had control of the House forever. She said, we have nothing to lose. And the Democrats don't often take such a hard stand like that. I think that we're Democrats as a party are feeling a little proud of our Ourselves, that our leader was just like didn't cave, which is something that Democrats often do. Well, try she to did reach this compromise. again, but she did it in 2013 with John Boehner. It didn't just it just didn't them. last nearly as long. Correct. You know what I mean? But like, she took a stand and was like, "Fuck you!" Like yeah. I don't know why anybody would think fucking with Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi would be yeah. okay. Well, I think that there was a moment when the American people could have been on. Tra- you know what I mean? Like the it was like the shutdown happened for a week and then they started polling and the numbers just went that the blame kept being shifted to the president, shifted to the president, and I I think. That was a gamble that the strategists of his, in, in his camp were playing. And when they realized that this was going to, they could potentially screw with his reelection, and I still think it could potentially screw with his reelection, um, then that he was like, ah. Well, I think when LaGuardia was finally was like, uh, yeah. we're not going to be able to fly planes when his out rich, of here. When his rich friends couldn't fly. Everybody's like, yeah. fuck, we're done. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, anyway. Um, so, anyway, we're glad that all of our. You know, friends and neighbors are back to work and um, the administration is committed to issuing back paychecks by the end of the week. So let's hope that they stick to that. Okay, good job, government. Moving on to like a really ridiculous thing, which is resting bitch face. We've talked we've talked about resting bitch face before. Right. And we've we I'm offended by it. I'm not sure Tracy's as offended by it because Tracy's not as offended by anything as I am. Um, And there is there's this article um, it was in something called The Week about the difference between um, resting bitch face and the insistence on women smiling in public. Like the insistence of women smiling in public has now gotten a bad rap. Everyone's like, stop, stop telling women they have to smile. But somehow saying like, oh, she totally has resting bitch face as an insult or as a judgment of attitude and mood is still cool. And those things are the same things. Okay, so here's my problem with this. I know Kelly's going to be like, oh, you have a problem with it. So resting bitch face was said as a joke in a video like eight years ago, which was designed and created and performed by women, not by men. I have never had a man tell me I have had resting bitch face. But you, you know like who tells me? You live in a me? bubble. <laughs> I don't. Really. You've had a man tell you you have resting bitch face. Uh, well, I, you guys, you know that I go on Fox. So lots of trolls have said that to me, like on the Internet. But like you men you, trolls. But you don't actually have resting bitch face. But like I, when I'm on Fox and that clip goes on social media and people have a lot to say about my content, you know, that I'm Democrat and a socialist and a moron and all that kind of stuff. But then they'll they'll say things like, and nobody's ever going to listen to you if you don't get rid of that resting bitch face. Oh, well, that's kind of sucks. Yeah. And like that happens on repeat because there's this expectation that if a woman is not engaging in conversation, then her face rests. But we started, women started the term I don't resting care. bitch face. I, why not? Because it doesn't matter how things start. It's like It does. How... Why do we start it? If we didn't start it, then nobody would use the term resting. Well, the difference face. is if it was started as a joke, which I think is what you just described. 
right? Like, yeah, but it now it is a joke. But that's now like taken it's on used. And, and now it's used not as a joke. Like, so, so yeah, I've only had women tell me I have resting bitch face. I've well, never had a dude tell right. me. We talk a lot about how terrible women are to women, and right. I I lump women into that too. I don't care who's telling me that I have right. a resting bitch face. Like, women shouldn't tell me to smile in public. Men shouldn't tell me to smile in public. Women shouldn't say I have a you know, on and on and so forth. Right? It doesn't matter who it is. You should smile more. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you it's, shouldn't smile more. But it's more. like gone to like the next fucking level with the goddamn plastic surgery. So that's ridiculous. So ridiculous. I can't. I can't even believe. Although, I mean, I, you and I have talked about my, my resting bitch face is, I guess, apparently epic. But here's the other thing. Like, why is resting bitch face a bad thing? Like, my mother has a face that is so fucking vicious. Like, she could turn a man to stone. I feel like I also have that same genetic bitch face that could seriously kill somebody. Like, why is that not better than a dude with, like, a fucking weapon? Why is that bad? Why? I mean, why can't we just be vicious? some weird analogies there. Why not? But um, I think I'm agreeing with you that it's not a bad thing. But somehow, and you love when I say shit like this, somehow there is an expectation on women. To be and act a certain way, to look a certain way, right? We know there's an expectation of us to look a certain way, be cer- a certain level of fitness, be a certain level of makeup, totally be agree a certain level of dress. Yep. There is an expectation of how we act, which you don't always agree with me, but when you're in a fuck all of them, right? But there, but you you agree or disagree that there is an expectation, even if you don't like it, even if you don't abide by it. That there is an expectation that is different for women than men about how to behave in public. May, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I think that this is an extension of that. And that now, and, 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 and women get, and men, but mostly women, get plastic surgery for all sorts of reasons, right? Your nose is too big. You're, you don't want your wrinkles. You want a smaller chin. You want higher cheekbones, whatever it is, right? Which is all, in my opinion, because of an expectation of how women how women are pretty and how they're supposed to look. So this idea of they fucking plastic surgery a grin. Like that's what that thing that's what it said. Right. Uh, the surgeon the, said he face. frequently performs what he calls quote expression surgeries. You know, to permanently correct said bitchiness. Those include quote grin lifts to turn up the corners of the mouth to make people look more smiley. And Botox injections to relax particularly bitchy-looking wrinkles between the eyes. So, like... Oh, is that the bitchy... No, see? I still have bitch face. I cannot move the Trace, top half of my face. Botox between your eyes. Yeah. I can't move the top half of my face. And but I imagine my like, bitchiness is, like, in right, my life. But imagine if, like, my, you went like, in snow. and, like, corrected your mouth. <laughs> I can't even do it. Like, Trace laughing because I'm poking at my face. But, like, we got to look up pictures of it. I That's can't wait to, to have that USA. conversation with Greg Deeds, what honey. The hell? I'm going to go have plastic surgery to fix my, yeah, my grimace. <laughs> Fuck you. And then the other hap- the other thing that happens about that is so all of a sudden you have a resting smiley face, which let me tell you, back to your previous point, I don't think is any goddamn better than resting bitch face. <laughs> all of a sudden you're like sitting on a metro and some fucking ra- random person comes up to you and is like, why are you so smiley? <laughs> then you're like, fuck you. I'm so mad. And they're like, wait, you look so smiley. I'm like, it's all a ruse. <laughs> this is not what I really am. And then. How is anyone supposed to fucking read your face? Uh, it's just a whole thing drives me bananas. But it's okay to get Botox. And if people can't read your face I from don't Botox, give a that's fuck. <laughs> You could like turn your face into a panda face with plastic surgery. Cat. I don't do give cat, a fuck. Just don't women. do it to make other people goddamn happy. <laughs> oh, it drives me crazy. 
So I think it's sort of dumb. So anybody, stop. Man, woman, child, grandmother, alien, stop telling women that they have resting bitch face. Go fuck yourself. That that was, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay moving on. Um, <laughs> what we were talking last week, a lot of what we talk about in this in this room, sort of uh, the importance of share of voice and women at the table and different sort of groups of people being represented moves between sort of um, between professional mediums. And this week we're talking about law firms, um, which is interesting. So there's been a lot of play. There was a, there was an article in the times about a new, an elite law firm that on LinkedIn posted a picture of their new class. And I'm sure everybody that listens to the podcast knows, but these like new law firm classes is like a big deal. Like they go to law school, they get internships when they're in law school. They, they get like, taken out to lunch and they get sort of courted and then they get paid to tons of money. It's like, it's a really um, lucrative and important thing to end up being one of these people. And in this particular law firm, there were all only white people and only one woman. And there was like 40, 12, 16, 20, 24, like maybe 30 of them, something like that. And there was backlash because people said like, do you intentionally only hire white men? And they pulled the picture from LinkedIn and then issued a statement of apology and explored why it was happening. And it turns out that a lot of the reason, a lot of the way those people got those jobs is through connections, um, which sort of reduces the, reduces the possibility for more diverse groups of people to get jobs. But I think it's interesting to talk about because there is the quotes coming back from the people at the law firm were a lot what we talk about in politics. So like somebody said, every day going into a conference room, were you the only one, maybe the only woman, maybe the only black person that you can weigh in on? But it's something that's specific. It's not something specific to this law firm that that's in all of corporate America, which we say a lot in politics. And if there is only one voice representing a large amount of people, then that, that voice is smaller. It's not hard. So I was so I think law firms, companies should be able to hire and do whatever they want to do if they're paying the bills. They're t- typical rule, whatever. But what I found interesting is I remember it was probably six or seven years ago I had a friend of mine whose sister worked for a law firm in Chicago. And she got 12 months paid maternity leave, which I thought was pretty impressive. I mean, a year paid maternity leave. And I asked her why... They did that, and it's because they want more women. They want more women in the law firm because it's important to have women because the law firm is better. It's all better when there's more diversity. So I was a little actually surprised by this because I feel like this this is actually going to make this law firm less effective in the long term. Right. Just because diversity is important. So, I mean, they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot by – not having more women that are partners in the I, I just I have no idea why they're gonna lose money. I think that's of part this. of the problem. I think it's because they don't at least this particular example did not do their hiring, did not conduct their hiring with a regard to either the success of the law firm or the benefit of diversifying your staff with and means to a bit better bottom line or better sort of like right. business, business development. They did it just the way right. they always did, which is like right. my kid, you know, some dude's kid is blah, blah, blah. And that when you don't push yourself to change or change cycles of things like hiring, then you don't get the benefits that you were just describing. Right, so they're going to suffer. So, what are, I mean, but I think that in the intentionality of it all is a really important thing that 
if people are not reminded of it, goes sort of un, unnoticed. I mean, the other thing that's really interesting is the female minority lawyer who spoke of the greater opportunities given to men also complained that female wow, lawyers are often expected to take on administrative tasks such as drafting schedules. You become the mother of the team. So I have one of my dear friends, my oldest <sighs> friends in life, is a lawyer in Pittsburgh. She's a partner at a small firm, first ever female partner, um, crushing it, you know, like expanding all, doing all the things that crushing it and still is the one who's leaned on for all the HR duties. Like she's the partner and she has a full workload. She's a working mom and she is the one that is like planning staff cocktail parties and writing notes and like becomes. And she says that even though the partners, right, the other partners recognize that that is inappropriate expectation of her and they say that out loud they don't change the practice so that's sort of part of what i'm describing if there's not intentionality to change the cycle of things that are gender based then you can sort of know that it's bad for the company or wrong but it doesn't change and i think that that is sort of seemingly something that happens everywhere i mean it certainly happens in political consulting firms too i think but the problem with that is I think that men are incapable of planning cocktail parties. I think that's bullshit. I, that's fine. But, I mean, they they are. I mean, when you uh, – men, women... men are incapable of planning cocktail parties? You just oh. said that? Like definitively, objectively? Like is it in their biology? They're it, incapable it of it. It might actually be in their biology. My husband plans – amazing parties. There was a huge Super Bowl party every year at a house. I don't help one bit. He does the invitation. He does all the food. He does all the shopping. He does all the cooking. I mean, that's awesome. My husband, who is perfect in every way and a goddamn unicorn, cannot plan a cocktail party. That is not. What about it is so hard for men? I don't know. But when you think about it, like think about all of the event planners in the world. How many are men? I think it's because that is like expected. No, I don't think it's expected. I think there are women that choose to go into event planning because they enjoy it and they like it and they do it. I don't I don't think men like may I I fuck I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe if we gave our sons a chance to you know, play tea party sets and with dolls and create that space of bringing people together and But if they don't like doing that, why should they have to do that. I don't think it's that they don't like doing it. I think that they are marketed to cars and guns and they're not, there's no, there's no, if you made them all blue, what if if you made all the dolls blue and all the teacups too? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no chance. If we put all kids on an island and had no marketing and had dolls and cars, I wonder what, who would flock to what? I think they play with everything. My kids, because I'm a, a psycho progressive, of course, I had all the dolls from when I was a kid, baby, you know, baby buggies and beds and dolls along with all the cars. And they play with all that. All of it. Lyle still gets the little baby in the stroller oh, and pushes cute. the baby over to the truck section and then like sets the baby doll up. Yeah. And maybe you're right. And maybe vacuums all and all that. Yeah. yeah. And I think if we reduced gender defined activities from an earlier age, which is something I talk about a lot, then there wouldn't be as many gender defined activities when we're grown ups. Yeah. Because I think it all just That's, expands. Yeah. So I call the bluff about men objectively not being I should not have said they are incapable. That's not <laughs> that that is that is factually inaccurate. There are men that are absolutely capable of throwing a party. I just think typically women are and my point in saying that is that I just think women are better than men. And so <laughs> women can just do everything. Because we've always had to. 
and uh, men haven't always had to. Yeah. That's all. Well, I'm surprised you don't agree with me on that. I mean, I do agree with you. I just feel like it's back to my statement of intention- intentionality. I keep saying that. I hope that's an actual word. But, um, like, I get it that to be, like, a fierce fighter against every sort of understood gender norm aspect can make you, could make me a really unpleasant person to hang out with. I get that. But when I see things, you know, that are so obvious to me, I'm just, it drives me fucking bonkers. It drives me goddamn bonkers. Okay, so we're going to move on to the button. So the button is from something called The Cut, and it's um, the title of the article is Fancy Manhattan Restaurant Allegedly Won't Let Women Sit Alone at the Bar. So as the story goes... This seems super dumb, by the way. It's so dumb, but it it's maddening to me because, again, I travel so much by myself. And I sit alone at And I bar sit alone at bars the all the fucking time. And yes, I have had plenty of men come up to me when I'm sitting alone at a bar. And, like, just sort of inquire about whether or not I would like the company of a conversation or not. Oh, nobody ever talks to me. <laughs> Probably because I have resting, resting bitch, bitch face, face, which I is think, epic. I think you need the grin, it's the grin surgery. It's a tool. Yeah. Um, so there's a woman who who wrote that article who's, when she needs to sort of unwind and unplug, she goes to the same restaurant in New York, sits at the bar. She lives in London. Lives, she travels yeah, to New York, New York all the time. Yes. Yeah. And, like orders a cocktail and some snacks for four years yeah she'd been doing this for four years <laughs> and so keep you keep, keep yeah. telling us so so she would go and she'd sit down and she would have a quick bite she'd finish up what she referred to as her homework which i'm assuming was not like homework like school but work. like work work yep. stuff um because you know those brits <laughs> the way they phrase things uh and she'd sit down and she'd eat and she's at a restaurant that sells pasta at $275 a fucking plate. <laughs> so it's nice. Like, it's a nice <laughs> restaurant. So she goes, she'd sit at the bar. She did it for four years. And then she walks in on one random day, and they're like, ma'am, you're going to have to sit at a table. We, we don't serve. She's like, what? She's like, so I've been sitting at the bar. I like the bar. And I hate sitting alone at a table, but I love sitting alone at a bar. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Usually with my laptop. Yep. Also, it probably goes with the rest <sighs> of bitch face. Uh, so... The, the waiter tells her that they don't serve dinner at the bar anymore. And she's like, oh, okay. So she goes and sit, sits on a table. And then she sees a dude come in, sit down at the bar, drinks his martinis, orders his pasta, eats a bunch of bread. And she goes and questions, <laughs> like, one of the waiters that she knew. And they were like, yeah, sorry. You just, you can't sit at the bar anymore. And don't don't make a big scene about it. Like, it's what's done is done. I can't fix it. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Like, what do you mean I can't? And so... She brings out the uh, the owner, I guess, comes out yep. and talks to her. And he basically says they're trying to crack down on call girls sitting alone at the bar. And she's like, you thought I was a fucking call girl? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I think so. There's like a lot of elements to how crazy that is. The first and the, and the most significant to me is the idea that if a woman comes in, an attractive woman who's well-dressed, is my guess. And maybe even that it, it doesn't, at least I didn't see that it um, sort of specified if she dressed more in like more form fitting clothes or I'm trying to say that in a way like that doesn't sound crappy. Who gave a shit? Who right. Who gives shit? a shit? Absolutely. She sounded like a professional. Yes. I can't imagine she came in and like and like bandage dresses. Yeah. There um, were stilettos and yeah. boobs hanging out. And uh, so they assume that if you're an attractive woman who's alone a lot sitting at a bar and who can afford $300 pasta, then you must 
people must pay you for company and for sex. It's weird. Like, why wouldn't they assume she's the CEO of a big fucking company? Because people are shit to women. And this is New York. I know. So everybody's not shit to women. But these people are definitely (laughs) shit to women. I don't know. These people. So they won't respond to anything. I feel like there has to be more to the story. I, I I mean, it's Upper East Side in New York. Well, it sort of goes to your thing about like companies can do whatever they want. And if this owner, this absolutely, if this like, you know, sexist, awful owner had sexist, awful customers that were like, you got to get that prostitute away from the bar. It's ruining my $300 travel pasta. But there is, yeah, there is some expectation that successful, attractive women don't pay for sex. Nope, the opposite. Are paid for sex. Yes. We're yeah, not. Maybe actually it'd be better if they pay, they paid for sex. I mean, then they're like in charge of it. But yes, that don't they're make their money by spreading their legs for strangers. Correct. Again, restaurants can do whatever they want to do. Also, also the feminist movement can really take down a restaurant. Ask yeah. a, ask a um, oh, Michael Mike Isabella right. about that. Correct. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> they have the right to not let women sit at the bar. I have the right to not go there. Yeah. So that's our, the response. Like, just don't go to Nello. Fuck the... their $275 pasta. And if you really want some really good dude, dollars pasta. Dude, I think I've been to that. I think I've been to that place. No, you need now to that go, you said that. go to Il Cantonori because their truffle pasta is exceptional. I think my mom and I tried to go to Nello when we were in New York this last time and couldn't get a table because there was a line out the door. Oh, and because all the hookers that are dick, there, yeah. the one who told me that I have, a, I had a reservation and everything, and he was like, "Sorry," I was like, "What? I hate you." There you go, fuck Nello. Nello. Yeah, nobody's right. gone. Go to El Cantonori. All right, I don't know what that oh is. Oh my god, it's so good. good. Um, okay, so moving on to um, sort of where we began, <laughs> damn it all to hell with all oh. like dick uh, political ass hats. In this in this case, it's a Democrat again. I feel like we need a good Republican to be a bad guy. To you got a lot of bad out. Democrats. I know we got a lot of bad Democrats. I and think... Do you, just, this, this sorry. This story is like mad I know. I don't want to interrupt you, but Let's, do you think yeah, that, that a lot of it is Democrats because... They uh, they're like, no, 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 I'm on your side. I'm on your team. And then so they feel like they have they can get away with more dumb shit because they're like on they're like helping the progressive women movement. Do you remember that? That's that story we talked about a while back about how Democrats liked like rough sex or something because because you have to be like all even keeled and and inclusive and open hearted and progressivism. And then in the bedroom, you just want to be dominated. Remember that we talked about that. We How did. do you not remember that? We did. I, yes. Because you love that article. Anyway, I think it's similar. I think it's similar in that if you, it's like, it's like dads with daughters are Republicans. It's the same thing. Like, it's like if you, so if you say. So they think women want it. If you say like, I'm yeah. no, I'm, of course, like I'm a Democrat. Like, I think women are just as good as men. I think women deserve blah, 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 blah. No, but get then on you're your like knees. a shit. Yeah. yeah. So this is a story about a bad guy. I don't know him. Kevin O'Brien. I'm sure that our. I'm sure there are overlaps in our, our circles, but um, was was recent most recently the chief of staff in Mayor de Blasio's office in New York and and was let go because of allegations from from colleagues about sexual harassment. And when that happened, things just came out of the woodwork about the guy. So before that, he was at the Democratic Governors Association um, where he was let go also for similar allegations. And before that, he was uh, working for Steve Bullock in Montana when he was the attorney general and similar stuff. And the fucked up thing about all this is every time he, you know, quote unquote, left one of those jobs and 
And what it turns out is that he resigned in lieu of termination, that he would just call on a network of fellow male colleagues to get the next job, which is a lot of how this works. But because when you get jobs through your friends, nobody says like, or at least nobody admits to saying, well, what happened at the last place? Instead, you just call, I need a job. That person calls a whole bunch of people. In this case, a, a consultant at a, at a big Democratic firm called Hilltop, who had a relationship with the mayor's office, got him the job at the mayor's office. And then like this all came out. And now the mayor's office is putting on press conferences to be like, there was no reference, right? There was no call for reference. And if there was, we would have found out that he resigned in lieu of termination, which would have put up red flags. So it reveals this like intensely terrible problem in the way that people get jobs in this industry. And it happens all the time. People get jobs without making a call for a reference from their previous employer. I mean, it's happened to all of us. And so I think that there is, it's this whole thing. It started when we talked about the law firm, right? It's like this intentionality of breaking cycles. I don't think we do it. And as a result, this this married man with a wife and children had went through three offices and was terrible to women in all three offices. And nobody, like, nothing happened about it. Yeah. Well, so there are rules with what you can say in a reference after someone has left an organization. But apparently you can say... Term- you could say ter- don't. Uh, resigned in lieu of termination, which apparently is the red flag. You could flag, say, which is what it I says. don't recommend this person. You have been with the same firm for a while. Yeah. Like, I don't know that anyone's ever called my references. Like, I went straight from AAPC to CNE. They knew who I was. There yeah. was no conversation about references. I went straight from CNE to L2. Like, I mean, maybe Bruce had talked to my previous boss. I've had people that the- work for me that have moved on. And gotten jobs without a call for reference. Yeah. And I think that part of breaking cycles is prioritizing the character of an employee as much as their strategic and networking. So success. that is definitely, I think, and this that industry. is super undervalued. I think that is this industry as opposed to many other industries. Because my husband calls at least three references yeah. for everybody that he and when before works I get for. hired as a consultant, sometimes those people call references for me. Like if I'm getting hired by a you new elected official, yeah. then they call previous right. people who are who I've done work for to be like, is Kelly A, B, and C? You know, yeah. and uh, you know, it's interesting. Politics is a is an industry of a lot of important elements, but character is one of them, which is coming out. You know, like when you think about the president, he's he's often criticized for elements of his character that people find um, unacceptable, but it's balanced out with his his strategy. You know what I mean? Like his policy platforms, right? But like you can't more and more you can't get elected, especially on the Democratic side, if you are a bad person. Like, you have to be smart and strategic. But on the Democratic side, we hold our candidates up to this level of character. So I don't know that that's true. I I mean... Well, I, think about I'm Doug Jones. And I mean, it's an extreme case. Doug Jones and the pedophile. Like, in Alabama. Yeah. I no, mean, no, Doug Jones that, clearly won in Alabama in a state in which he should not have won. Right. So right. B- because of a character flaw of oh, the pedophile, oh, which I realize is oh, an extreme case. Gotcha. I thought you were saying Doug Jones had a character No, issue. no, 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 no. I mean, that's an extreme case. But, you know, um, right now... Cur- Bill Cur- Clinton would have been reelected. Even after the Monica Lewinsky Absolutely. thing? I, I don't think know. So. I think Bill Clinton would have been reelected. I don't know. But, you know, I, I, hope, I hope that the intentionality of mentoring young people of 
of supporting different voices at the table, of expanding diversity of teams, of of paying attention to capability and not just network will change some of these Kevin fucking O'Brien stories. I, it, it would be great if that were the case. I don't know that that's I don't know that that's where we are moving forward. Yeah. So just Democrats, just try to be better. Try not to just hire people without finding out if they harass women everywhere. Well, they just work. in general, people should. Yeah. But again, so here's the thing. Like that guy has to work and pay bills. He has a wife. He has a family. He has to pay taxes. Like where does but he get to work? He should have thought about that before he harassed six people. Uh, yeah, I agree. But like, he, so he either needs to go to jail or find a job. Yeah. So what? But so I, what I think he should be. Yeah, I was saying joking earlier. Like, I think that there is a list of shitty men. Democratic women started doing this. Democratic political women last year. The like a list of shitty men. You should know what you're getting into. And so if you want, that... if somebody wants to employ that person, knowing he's on the list of shitty men because he offers some really unique thing, like everyone should know. He should have to like, you know, like um, sit in a in an office in the corner in the back all by himself and not be able to eat lunch with his friends. So the list of shitty men has that had any impact no. on anything? No, no. How do you make that have an impact? I don't know. More people have to give a fuck. Yeah, it's sort of depressing. We'll keep talking about it, though, here on Damon All the Hell. So keep up with us. Wrap us up, Tracy Dietz. <laughs> Thanks so much. Keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Damon All the Hell. 